Hello, people of the world. This is Nick Soraris, and this is the Upper Bowl GM Podcast. Busy, busy weekend of football. Really surprising results in a lot of games, a lot of big comebacks. That Saturday night game between the Dolphins and Raiders was bananas. The games yesterday, Jared Goff looked pretty miserable against Seattle, and they still had a decent chance to win that game. A number of crazy outcomes. 49ers on Saturday. I know everyone was kind of half-heartedly watching that game. That was kind of laggy and not at full resolution on Amazon for the first half. But 49ers went out there and took care of business, and the Cardinals did not look particularly good. The Bengals beat Houston. Carolina handled the football team, who cut Dwayne Haskins today. The Giants couldn't get first downs till the game was already over. Interesting weekend of football. But, as promised... This is going to be another basketball episode, but before I throw it over to my very fun guest, we had a great time recording this, one of my favorite people to talk to about basketball, someone I've known forever, I I played modified football with this kid in middle school, I've known this kid forever, LeVance is a treat, he's very funny, he's awesome talking basketball, but before I throw it over to LeVance and me, I'm going to talk real quick. Gotta remind everyone, you gotta subscribe to this podcast. You gotta share it. Let let someone else know about it. Even if you, you just let them know. You get it on Apple's podcast, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Audio Boom, all these places, it's there. It is in as many places as I can make it. I'm gonna start working on putting out try and do three episodes a week from two blog a little more at Gotham SN, which you should all be following on Twitter, because we do good work. Blakey Locks gives out free money every single week if you tail them, especially now in the stretch run of football season. You should be following Blakey Locks. If you're not already, you're missing out on free money. This podcast is a passion project. I love doing this. It is so much fun to do. So, to set the scene, basketball came back early last week. Most teams have played two to three games, two, three. Some teams are playing their third game tonight, Monday night. By the time you're hearing this, most teams will have played a fourth game. The Nets have looked pretty good so far, although they did lose yesterday to the Hornets, which was weird. The Bucks beat the, the Bucks lost to the Knicks, which is a weird outcome. The Sixers lost. The Cavaliers won. The Lakers mud-stomped the Timberwolves. The Mavericks beat the Clippers by 50 Weird day in basketball yesterday. I'm going to throw it over to LeVance and I. Uh, enjoy this throwback clip. It, 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 it warmed my heart to see. We miss you, Kobe. A one-point game. Walking to tip it. Bryant with the save. Oh, you got to get a shot here. Final seconds. Bryant for the win. Bang! And with that, I welcome on one of my favorite hangs. Someone who just loves to talk basketball. Someone who I needed to have on. I asked him a couple weeks ago what his availability was like and finally found some time for us over here on the Upper Bowl GM podcast. How are we doing, LeVance? I'm doing well, man. Living the dream. We got a couple of days left of 2020. With what a marathon. I'm ready to start a new year, fresh slate. Absolutely. It's been a miserably long year. It felt like this shit was never going to end, but we, we, um, we see the finish line. It's, it's on the way. Indeed, so before, indeed. 
before we started recording, uh, you and I were just talking a little bit about the games yesterday. I mean, the Lakers went out there without AD, just mollywopped Minnesota. They broke out the old Minneapolis Laker throwbacks, the blue and white ones, and just murdered them without AD. How much of the game did you watch, and what did you take away? Uh, I watched a good portion of it. Of course, it was a big blowout after halftime, so I said, you know, let me let me get to bed. But we handled business, bro, and I, like we mentioned before, you know, a lot of these top contending teams, you saw the Nets go down. The Bucks, who just paid Giannis that whole max contract, is getting smoked by a B-team Nick team. So I, I don't know what's going on, but I'm just happy to see that the Lakers held it down, even with no AD, too. You, you would think that would be a little, you know, loophole, a little extra motivation for the Timberwolves to go out there and try to take it to us on our home court. But we handle business as champions should do what we need to do. No, no excuses. So. Uh, great takeaway, especially with, um, you know, losing the first game and imagine all the pressure on them. They got a better team than last year, defending champs, you lose opening night. So they got to respond and they have been, I've been liking what I'm seeing. Yeah. We'll get to that tour closer to the end of the podcast, looking forward towards this season, but I, that was a common point I came away with with pretty much everyone I've talked away with that the Lakers got better in the off season with the additions they made, adding Trez, adding Gasol, adding Schroeder. They got some really nice pieces and didn't have to do too much to get them. So let, let's set the table a little bit. We're both from New York, we're both in the New York area. What's your Lakers origin story? Was this uh this is my guy, this uh I'm just watching, someone in your family? How how'd you get into the Lakers as your basketball team? Well, it, it started with the guy, and of course, may his soul rest happy in peace. Uh, in my opinion, a lot of people might have backlash, but I think he's the GOAT. Um, the only person I'll consider putting above him, of course, is MJ. But uh, it, it was Kobe, man. I, my first vivid memory of the Lakers, I was like four or five years old, man. It was the 2004 NBA Finals, specifically game two. They're playing the Pistons down 0-1. I remember as a little kid, man, watching it on the screen, they wore the, the, the white alternate uh, jerseys for the first time, at least in my memory. So I'm like, that's a nice color. That's poppy, you know, four-year-old level. Like, what? And then I see Kobe hit that deep three over Richard Hamilton, forced the game into overtime. I said, oh, it's like that. What, 23 at that time, maybe 24? He got three chips on there. But I'm like, okay, okay. So it started with that. And, of course, again, I'm four years old. I don't really know too much. But I keep watching. You know, Luckily, my family's always been engraved in sports, especially basketball. So start hitting the age of seven, eight, and I'm starting to kind of put two and two together, leads me to the next thing when I knew not only Kobe, but the team was, was for me. 2006, they were a seven seed, played the Suns, Phoenix Suns, the, the Steve Nash MVP year. You could see how mad Kobe was. <laughs> you personally. He knew. Yeah, he knew. He was like, bro, I should be the MVP, and he should have that year. I mean, what, I had 64 and three quarters that year. Month later, he goes for 81 points against the Raptors. He came in with his seven seed squad, and those Laker teams after Shaq weren't the best. And he had a 3 1 lead on an MVP, Steve Nash, and a good quality Suns team at that time. So I knew the type of drive and determination that took. Now, granted, yes, they end up losing, they blew the lead. You could say what you want to say. At the end of the day, people who know basketball would understand the type of team that Kobe had at that time and what he was dealing with at that time. So to take a seven seed squad up three, one on the MVP, uh, 
bro, that, that's a lot when, when it's literally just you and, and Kwame Brown is Smush Parker. So, <laughs> you know, that's when I know it's like, oh, there's more to it. And of course the culture came into it, Phil Jackson. And then as I'm getting into my teenage years, I start seeing the new team that was built, you know, adding Pau Gasol, having guys like Trevor Ariza, Ron Artest. And then I really got into basketball, the history behind it. The Lakers, of course, rich history as legends from the start, even in Minneapolis, they had a legend back then, they're big man. So just all of that came together. And, you know, it's kind of weird being in New York, loving the Lakers and such, but I'm sorry, the Knicks don't give me something to root for. <laughs> I think I made a good choice. You, you definitely, you, you ended up on the good, good side of things. You've had, quite, you've had a few titles. The Knicks have had one playoff series win in my existence. So not, not a lot to hang my hat on. Yeah, and then of course Braun is in his prime during that time. The Knicks started coming on, so it's like, yeah, you, can't, you, you hit a rock in a hard place, man. You can't win. Yeah, it, it, the best case scenario for that one Nick year would have been they beat Indiana the that first Paul George breakout year, and then they go to the conference finals to play the Heatles and lose them five games. Right? Not not, not great. Not great. <laughs> so. How does you playing basketball interact with how you watch basketball? Because I know you play basketball a long, long part of your life. How that impact how you watch the game? You, you see it in a whole different perspective. It's not just from the fan's perspective and, oh, he made a great shot. Oh, that's crazy crossover. Look at that dunk. When you play it, you actually understand and you read the game. You know, you're forced to read the game as a player. So now when you're watching it, you're seeing little things. You're seeing what's creating the space for certain players to get those open shots, to make those certain moves, or just the, the hard work that these players put, the attention to detail that they have for them to do so well. I'll give a perfect example. Kyrie last night hitting some crazy fadeaway one-legged shot midair over two guys. It's just like, now, of course, you're mesmerized by that, but me being a player, I know how much work he put in for that. I know all the different types of shots, one-legged, two-legged, doing it a thousand times a day to get it down packed. So I feel that's where my appreciation for the love of basketball came because I know being that I was there at one point in my life, it takes work. It's a grind. And all of these guys, all the elite of the elite guys, all successful people in general have the same type of mannerism, so to speak. But they indulge into the game. They fall in love with the process. And like the GOAT himself, Kobe, had said before, it's not about the end destination, it's the journey. And to see the different journeys that these guys have gone through to get to where they are and to excel. And especially with the pressure, man, there's money on the line. There's legacies on the line, egos on the line. There's so many things. And to put all of that aside and really look at the X's and O's, it gives you a new level of appreciation. So I personally feel as a basketball lover, I'd be cheating the game itself if I don't focus on those little things because that's that's the dope nuances about basketball. The ball movement, the the team camaraderie, the how everybody focuses on one thing or one goal. So watching the game, you see that. You see how certain players are yelling at other players. You see how certain players are uplifting their teammates, you know, being leaders. It's all the little things that come together and people get mesmerized with, the finished product, but of course, being behind the scenes, you understand all that work. So it's a whole new ball game. It's a whole new level. And that's why, even if it's the two worst teams in the league, I'm watching. I want to see what's going on. I want to see how it happens. Just because it's me. It's, it's all I know. <laughs> that was a really good answer. That was a really good answer. All right. So how do you feel about with the state of basketball, how it is now, where it's 
threes and layups? Do you miss the old school big man? How do you feel about how basketball in the NBA at least is played now? Well, uh, I'll be real with you. People might laugh, but I think if we had the old school big man still, maybe I had a shot. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? But it it, it just goes to show again with, with the craft of the game, you know, you have certain players who are able to add a different nuance to the game. Um, you have different guys who bring different things to the table and it's always an adjustment period. You have to react to what's happening towards you. So I I know one thing that a lot of people probably listening can agree to is Steph Curry. Steph Curry had changed the whole aspect of the game because like you just mentioned, the three-point shot's a layup now. It's an essential part of the game. Most people who actually don't really know ball or just started, it was never three-point line. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, like, it went from not even having it to, yeah, we have it. It's a part of the game to now it's an essential part of the game. You have teams like the Rockets building their whole squad around guys who focus on the perimeter, who could hit threes, who could focus on defense and such. So I think it's a great thing because now it forces everybody to get that skip. You can't be a prototypical big man just getting boards, blocks, clogging up the paint. You have to be able to be that stretch. And you see Brooke Lopez, a perfect example, came in as a what top 10 lottery pick or something like that, known as a back-to-the-basket big, post-up moves, everything when he was on the nets and such. As he evolved and as the games evolved, you see him now on the Bucks, pick and pop, threes. You can't leave him open. He's sitting in the corner. It's like you have to adjust. And if anything, it makes it a little more fun. It's more up and down, high flying because – you got people shooting threes here. All right, boom. Now they're moving up the court. Another three. So to see that and to see how people add it to their game, I think it's amazing too. Because you could really see, again, that whole level of detail. How can I survive in this league? How can I thrive in this league? You have to be able to shoot. Whether if it's threes, mid-range or whatever, you have to be able to. And that's one of my, my pleas with Giannis because Giannis is unstoppable. He just don't have a jump shot. Yeah. If he got a mid-post, mid-range jump shot, he don't even need to shoot threes. If he could operate in the post kind of like Kevin Durant does, now, of course, that's that's different, completely different. But <laughs> if he had some type of like post-work game, mid-range game, you understand how unstoppable he is? Because he's seven foot. He gets to his spot. It's over. You have to you, you have to evolve with the game or the game's going to continue without you. I mean, we... We see that Blake Griffin's done that. Blake Griffin's completely reinvented himself where he came into the league as a dynamic high flyer, jumping over cars in commercials and in the dunk contest. And now he's, I don't want to say a knockdown three-point shooter, but he's pretty close. He's in the mid-30s for three-point percentage. He's pretty good at it now. And he's taking at least six to eight a game, maybe more depending. It's like it's ingrained now into the game because you're going to have some teams who shoot shoot the shit out the gym. You saw the Knicks last night crazy behind the arc yeah Mavs didn't hit enough shots excuse me the the um, Bucks didn't hit enough shots oh what was I gonna say oh that reminds me you had mentioned before about how there was no three-point line for perspective guys like Larry Bird took maybe two and a half three threes a game Jordan three four threes a game the whole game not makes just four attempts whereas if they played in today's league obviously both would have taken a lot more threes because three three is more than two it's just matter of fact you can you hit in that high 30s low 40s three point percentage they'll take you you don't have to be able to do much else you could hang around in the league if you can hit in the mid 30s and low 40s in your threes 
one of those things where we're seeing this new evolution of guys like guys like Seth Curry, Steph's younger brother, who went to the G League for a few years, really ironed out his shot. And now he's got a viable NBA career as a three point specialist. And he yep. does a good job at it. Yep. Does got a nice contract do, doing what he needs to do just because he's a knockdown shooter. And if you're a trained assassin, like certain of these guys, like Steph, KD, like, oh, my gosh. It's hard, man. It's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. So when it comes to the Lakers, have you always been optimistic or pessimistic? Because obviously when you first started watching them, they were top of the world. They had Kobe. They had Powell, Bynum. They won those two chips at the end of the last decade. And then they went through that down period where Kobe was hurt. He had the really bad injury run where he missed like two and a half years-ish of yep. up between the Achilles and other injuries. And it, it was ugly for a while. Like Trevor uh, Trevor said, he paid his penance for the, all those chips last decade. They went through some really lean years. So how has that impacted how you view them in terms of your outlook? I, I know for me, I'm always optimistic. You want to think the best. You want to have positivity. But luckily, I was raised with common sense and just reality. I know things aren't going to go as planned. So I'm 50-50 on both. Of course, when you look at a team on paper, you say, wow, that's a great team. They could win it all and whatnot. But me being a basketball, ex-basketball player, I know there's more to that. You have to have the chemistry. You have to have the egos left at the door. You have to have everything mesh. That's where the reality standpoint comes in. I think the Clippers are a perfect example. You have anybody betting on them last season, they didn't even make it out of the conference semis. So it's both sides. Yes, optimistic. I hope for the best, but I also know reality. Injuries are going to happen. Fallouts are going to happen. You know, just missed shots are going to happen. There's things that you can't control that are going to get in the way of things. So as often as I am optimistic and positive thinking about it, I also know that there's other factors involved. So I try not to harp on it. Try not to focus on all the positives. Just look at the totality of everything. Got you. Got you. Transitioning the conversation here towards a little bit of a reflection. There's a lot of things I got here on the rundown to talk about because like I always tell people, basketball is the easiest and the best sport to talk about, even though it's the one I probably know the least about of the four sport North American sports. It's just, it lends itself to conversation because of all the storylines, because all the players aren't just players, they're characters, they got their brands, they got that kind of thing going on where they're more than just players. And it fuels into the narratives where it's constantly driving the storylines and the discussions on all the sports shows. I mean, the biggest story in sports right now is probably the James Harden situation. So it, it lends itself to conversation. So on our rundown here, I have the first thing I have down is how the Kobe era ended, how the Lakers weren't able to give him that one last team to give him one last run, how it felt seeing him get all those, have those serious injuries, get dinged off, how that last season ended with the 60-point game, that kind of thing. So take me through the end of the Kobe era. Honestly, it was it was mixed emotions. Of course, personally, I, I'm a, I guess a little selfish, but that, that's he's the reason why I fell in love with basketball. So to see him walk away, of course hurt, because that's all I've seen. That's all I've known from the time I started watching basketball, Kobe and the Lakers. So to know that he's not going to be playing anymore, it was just like, wow. It was a reality check. It's like, yo, I'm getting old. <laughs> yeah. You've seen it. You know what I mean? Um, I also felt for him because me being as obsessed as I am with him, I know all his stories, his details. I know the drive that he has. I know the attention to detail that he has, the sacrifices that he's made. 
to get to where he was. And to see him not be able to fulfill what he had worked so hard to because of injuries, things that you can't control, of course it hurts. But again, the, the thing that has him at such a high pedestal for me is even with those injuries, even with those problems, he came back. And he came back just as strong as he was before, even better. And you saw the culmination of that in his final game. He still had stuff in the tank. And that's the thing I guess is my biggest regret is if he was healthy those two seasons, man, not going to say they're going to win a chip, who knows, but they're going to challenge somebody. They're going to do something. That last team that they had with uh, when he actually tore his Achilles with Steve Nash, Dwight Howard, and those guys, like they did have a shaky season, but they were closing that season phenomenally, like as a dangerous team. Kobe was getting into it in his playoff groove. You know, Dwight finally kind of found a role. Steve Nash was playing and stuff like that. And just when everything started to gel, the injury happened. And of course, he comes back, messes up his uh, rotator cup. It's just like, it, it never fails. It never fails. And I personally feel too that once that Achilles injury happened, is my opinion, the Lakers organization started thinking about next. You know, they let Dwight go. They offloaded Steve Nash. They just started to try to get ready for the afterlife of Kobe, which in an organization standpoint is smart. You, you got to start preparing for when that legend leaves. But of course, again, it, it does hurt because you know that he wanted it. You knew he was going to come back and give it his all like always. Maybe we could have tried a little hard to maybe set something up to see how it plays out. But I could also understand hands are tied. Certain things have to go certain ways for you to get it like that. And it's hard to, again, how can you build around somebody who's entering 18th, 19th, 20th year into their career with the you know huge injuries that they had? But I'm just happy that he was able to end his final game and you saw him give it everything. Yeah. Left it all on the court. And he has nothing to worry about. He has nothing to regret. And he's able to, you know, live the life that he had and now, you know, doing what he needs to do wherever he is, doing his best thing. And that's all that matters. I remember back in late February, early March when he had passed, I remember reading, I forget what columnist wrote it, but the way he put it was this. Kobe was a lunatic about competition, and we all romanticize that because we all feel like if we had the God-given gifts he had, we would work that hard to be that great. That that's something that every single person who's ever played any sport can identify with, that if you had those kind of natural gifts, it would be a crime to not work as hard as he did to keep getting better and to try and share it with other people. And exactly, it, it's one of those things that it's going to be hard trying to explain that to people who never got to see him play, it get, got to see him play when he was an active player. We're only going to know him through YouTube and old games and things like that. Where Exactly. It's it's all about it. It's it's just sad, bro. Yeah. <laughs> it's so sad. But yeah. th those are the things that separate you. Those are the differences. After Kobe retires, they bring in Magic, they bring in Polinka, they start doing their thing where they're slowly building through the draft. They get some nice pieces. I like a lot of the guys they've drafted over the years. Obviously, all, all of them aside from Kuzma aren't on the Lakers anymore, <laughs> but how do you feel about that era with because they got some good guys. I think Brandon Ingram is pretty good. I think Lonzo is getting better. He's slowly starting to figure out his place in the league. 
Randall is fine. He's a decent NBA player. If he's like your sixth guy in your rotation, he's fine. They got D'Angelo Russell's not bad. He's a pretty good scorer. They 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 left a lot on the table, it feels like, in that era where they had kept accumulating all this young talent, but never really put them in a position to succeed. I can uh, totally attest to that. And some of those guys you mentioned, like Randall, uh, Russell, and all those guys, they were there. Kobe was still there. So yeah. it was like they, the, I felt the Lakers organization were down two roads, you know. Yeah, you know, we want to appease Kobe. We want to help him set things up for him, too, because he's Kobe. But then you have all these young guys not only trying to find their way in the league, but find themselves. I don't care who you are, what it is. Yeah, you have the greats like LeBron coming out of high school, just dropping 20, you know, being a GOAT from the start or attempting to be a GOAT from the start. But these are reg- not regular guys, but everybody else, yeah. <laughs> like, it takes time to adjust. It's very rare for somebody to just pick up game one. All right, I'm here. So when you're on a new team, coming straight out of college, playing for a great organization like the Lakers, trying to find your niche, but at the same time still, you know, appease the other greats that are on your team or the leaders on your team, there's a lot going on. And of course, already you're playing on the Lakers. There's added expectations there. So on top of all that, it's kind of like, it's hard. The fans don't give you, and people don't give you that time to really develop. I promise you, if Lonzo and B.I. and those guys actually were able to stay and develop, it would have been a longer process, but maybe they would have found their own. Maybe they would have found their way. And I look at B.I. as a perfect example of it. On the team with Braun, shell of himself. The first year that he was actually able to express himself, get the ball the way that he wanted to, and play the way that he wanted to, most approved player, Oh, well, average 20 looking like a perennial all-star. I think he was all-star last year too. So it's like all of those things. Same thing with Lonzo. I feel Lonzo's game jumped tremendously since he's left the Lakers, sadly, but they were able to get him a position where he's in control. He has the ball. He can do what Lonzo does. B.I. can do what B.I. does. It's hard to do that when you're playing with Kobe. It's hard to do that when you're playing with LeBron. Nothing against those guys, but they have a different standard. If you're a rookie, you don't know how that standard works. You, you don't even know what the, how the league works. So trying to mesh it all together and do it under the scrutiny, under the pressure in such a short amount of time, it, it kind of sets up a lot of people for failure. But you can see all of those guys that you mentioned. You know, Julius had a game last night against the Bucks, and he's doing his thing for the Knicks, got himself a contract. Uh, B.I. and Lonzo are doing their things down in New Orleans. Josh Hart kind of fell off, but like still great quality player, great guy to have coming off your bench on your squad. So they're all finding their niche because they don't have that pressure. They, they could take their time and really groom themselves and get to where they want to be. So yeah. it all worked out. Everything happens for a reason, you know? Yeah, it really did. It's very rare that a trade works out for both teams, but it does kind of seem like both teams got what they wanted. The Lakers got AD, they got their chip. And the Pelicans are pretty well set up for going forward where they got a lot of young pieces where if they want to do what the Lakers did and trade some of them for a big name, or if they just want to organically grow that team over the next few years before you have to start paying those guys contracts, mm-hmm. you can get a pretty solid team out of that mix. Cause Zion, when he plays is pretty, pretty damn dynamic. You throw in, they got some nice rotation guys. You mentioned Hart. They went and got Redick. They got nice pieces on that team. And, to be honest, I, I haven't heard it, but I'm not. I, I'm surprised that they're really not in the running to maybe get James Harden. Like, 
I get it. You got a nice young nucleus. You got pieces you want to keep, but why not package that up? See what picks you can get. Bring in Harden. Like, why not? What do you have to lose? Granted, yeah, Harden got his baggage and stuff like that, but at the end of the day, he's a bucket. You can make something work. <laughs> I forgot who tweeted it, but someone tweeted it. Harden is out there sweating out lemon pepper wings and tequila, and he's still dropping 40 without, without hesitation. 30 pounds overweight, getting like 44 <laughs> and 17. That's crazy, bro. That's crazy. Yeah, like I remember as a kid, like Shaq always used to show up to training camp like 40 pounds overweight and then just play himself into shape during the season. But it's a little different as a guard. You got to be explosive and dynamic, especially someone like Harden who needs to get foul shots to be as good as he is, get his scoring totals up. But he's still making it work. Somehow he's making it work over a little overweight and obviously not in the best shape. And when you're one of those natural-born assassins, it just comes. I, I look at Kevin Durant. A lot of people are like, yo, he's coming off his Achilles. He's not going to be the same. Will he be the same? All this stuff. All I need to see was the two preseason games. <laughs> <laughs> Dude's still coming up the court, pulling up in your eye from 35 feet. Like, if you are trained and you're an assassin like that, you're going to get yours. It's At the end of the day, it's basketball, bro. Yeah. You get to your spots. You do your strengths. You're going to excel. And that's what those guys do. That's what they're, they've worked so hard to do, whether they're overweight or not. <laughs> you know, yeah. They got there for a reason. Like, they're they going to do it. Yeah. Setting the table going into last year. So, the first year LeBron arrives. So, let's start here. Were you one of those Kobe guys who had the natural animosity for LeBron because he was encroaching on Kobe's space? Where it was like, I don't know if I really want this guy on my team because – I'm a Kobe guy. I can't be being disloyal like this. Or is it like this one of the five best players in the history of the sport? I'd like to have him on my team and I'd like to try and win more championships. Yeah, that's definitely the latter. You know, like, of course, I'm always going to have my preferences. I'm going to have my biases. It is what it is. But at the end of the day, from where we were, you know, not making the playoffs, winning 17, 20 games a season to bring in a guy like LeBron, you can't sit here and complain. Like you said, one of the best and has been one of the best five players in the league since he's came in. All that he does to make everybody around him better, his leadership, and of course, just him. He, he knows how to play ball. He is the best right now in the game at it. You can't be beggars. <laughs> you you got to take what you can get. Now, at the same time, though, yeah, I have my biases. But I can say I did hate LeBron. I was one of those haters. He went to Miami. You going to join a super team because you can't win. He shut me up because he went back to Cleveland and he won that title. So it's like, hey, you could lead a Cavaliers team to a title. Granted, they had some pieces, but if you can do that. I have great hope that you could come to a great organization like L.A., have a great structure behind you and to be able to build and, and grow. And, man, if it wasn't for that hamstring, he would have probably made the playoffs that year. Not yeah. saying they'll win, but I'd take making the playoffs as a 3-4 seed making it to the conference, conference semis, maybe the conference finals, and build off of that. that. That was the whole goal, at least in my mind. So I was just happy to have a bona fide star, a killer on the team who can help groom us and condition us. Because, again, all these young guys, they don't know yet. They haven't been on that fire. They haven't been through the trenches yet. So you got somebody like LeBron who's been there, went through highs and went through very low lows, who can give that to these guys help them grow and help them become who they ultimately want to. And you could see AD is a perfect product of that, man. He comes there after sitting out for this injury, sitting out for load management, 
He barely missed games last season. And even when he was hurt from little dings and whatnot after layups and dunks, got up, finished what he needed to do. I know Braun ingrained that into him because that's all Braun does. He puts his head down and he works. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those things. How many times we've seen LeBron go to the cup, come up a little limp, take a few steps, have to sit. He man just reties his shoe, gets right back up. I don't yeah. know what I don't know what he does in that minute and a half where he'll be sitting on the floor retying his shoe. But magically, he he never had an ankle, never had a knee. He just, and imagine that you're you're six nine plus two sixty. Yeah, and you still jumping, running, bouncing like. You built for that, man. You, it's all that work. Yeah, it it it's just it's genuinely special to get to see talents like this. I was having this discussion with someone the other day. It's just like right now of the four North American sports, and you throw soccer in there. We're seeing arguably the best player to ever play that sport alive in our in the time we can appreciate them. You're getting to see LeBron. You're getting to see Mike Trout. You're getting to see Messi. You're getting to see Connor McDavid. You're getting to see all of these generational talents who you might not ever see anyone as good again. We might be the old heads telling our grandkids, like, y'all don't know about LeBron. Y'all don't know about LeBron. And my, my grandkid can be like, I know Bronny Jr. No, not Bronny Jr. Bron. LeBron. <laughs> very true. Very, very true fact. Yeah. It's going to be funny being the old heads. I, I, I've always been an old head when it comes to talking about sports where it's like, you don't know. Trust me. You just don't know. Literally. Right. I, I can't wait to just throw Kobe on my kids, <laughs> male or female, and be like, you going to know about him. Gonna, <laughs> oh, I don't care. Even if you don't play the sport, it's it's not about the sport. It's about the mindset and the work ethic and how they apply it. That's what you take away from it. You might not be a basketball player. You might not play sports, period. But the way that they go through the work and they go through that journey that's what makes them successful. And if you apply that to whatever you do in your life, man, you're going to be so successful. Kobe did that in two years with his, uh, you know, producing stuff. Yeah. Right? And whatnot. Dude got an Academy Award. All these things. Just why? Because he had that ethic ingrained. He was doing it for 20 plus years for ball. Now you just got to apply the same principles to whatever else you're doing. Uh, Short time, successful. Like it, it's, it's simple science, but it's easier said than done. Yeah. Definitely a lot easier said than done. We've set the table. This is the Laker team going into the last season when they eventually won the championship, where they have AD, they brought JaVale, got D12, got Kuzma, they bring in Danny Green. How did you feel about that group of guys with LeBron going into last season? Because everybody, including me, still felt that the Clippers were a more well-rounded team, had a deeper bench, and that would be the difference when it came playoff time. Obviously, it didn't work out for that reason. But how do you feel about the Lakers going into last season? Initially, I liked it because we were in a win-now mode. Braun's coming off an injury. He has a lot to prove. People forgot who he was, sadly. Um, we just got AD, all right? So now it's definitely win-now. You have to surround these two stars with players who are looking to win now. And that's why they had the vets that they had, Danny Green, Rondo, JaVale, bringing in Dwight. Having pieces, veteran guys who's been around, some of them winning champs, championships, others who haven't yet, but still are trying to get there. It was perfect. The only thing that I had a problem with is they were old yeah. or older. You know what I mean? Rondo's plus 12 years in the league. Dwight was in his 16th year in the league. JaVale's getting up there too. It's like all these guys 
are a little older and they were on like one, two year deals. So in my head, again, realistically, I'm thinking that's great for this year, but what's happening next? Because Braun's contract, yeah, he extended it for a two year deal, but at the time he still had what, maybe one to two years left. AD didn't really sign yet. So it's like, of course, yeah, we got him here nine times out of 10, he resigned, which he did, but what are we going to do for the future? Because I looked at the team and I said, all right, Braun is there for two plus years, if that. Yeah, we got AD, we got Kuzma, <laughs> and we got Alex Caruso. Who else is going to be on this squad once Braun leaves? Are we going back to square one and just going to have that one star who's, you know, doing whatever? Or are we going to keep this consistency, keep having a contender and just adding and separating and subtracting what we needed? And uh, I think at that point, I was just happy to have a good, solid team, and we were able to get it done. So, yeah, because I remember we were there at Brandon's house that hot, that hot ass summer day yep. where we were just sitting around in the backyard, and Trevor and I were talking. We were talking I'm like, I don't know, man. I still think the Clippers—they got Trez, they got Lou, they got Zubach, they got that bench—and he was just like. I think you're forgetting how good LeBron is, Nick. I yep. really do think you're forgetting how good LeBron is. Where, If he needs to, he can go to the basket every single time. And if he needs to get a bucket, there are, there are not a lot of people who can stop him from driving to the basket and getting that bucket. Exactly. And then I also put into that too, again, me knowing ball, there's a difference from regular season basketball to postseason basketball. Yeah. The attention to details, the players too. It's not about – oh, who's the best player or whatnot, because everybody who's in the playoffs, they're good. They're the good quality teams on both sides. They made it to the playoffs. It comes down to execution. Who is going to go get that bucket? Who is going to make that play? People tend to forget that, again, on that team last year, Rondo, playoff Rondo. And as we saw in the NBA Finals, a huge pivotal piece about it. Braun is Braun, and when it gets to it, he's going to get his. Now, I kind of have some pushback on that, because although he does get his, he makes the right basketball play. Yeah, always. which is not not bad. It's it's not. But personally, with me, I guess growing up with that Kobe stigma, if you that man, if you're that train assassin, you're that killer. It don't matter what's going on. Give me the ball, get out of the way, and I'm gonna not only take the shot but make the shot. So that was the one thing with Braun that I kind of like digressed from, and that's the only reason why I had any fear in my heart that the Clippers might do it and take us in a seventh game because I didn't know if we had that dude to be that killer. But AD kind of showed himself. Yeah. And it's funny, too. I've noticed with a lot of LeBron's winning teams, he was not the closer. Early on with the Heat, when he won those two championships, Dwayne Wade was the closer in my eyes. Ray Allen saved his ass that second series, that second year. So, you know, you, you go to Cleveland, Kyrie hit that shot over Steph. And even here, yeah, it was, it was in the Western Conference Finals and whatnot, but the one time we needed a shot, we needed to play, AD made it. So not knocking Braun. Braun is still Braun. I just didn't believe, or I still don't kind of, where if it came down to it, can he not only take the shot and be willing to take the shot, even if it's not the best basketball play, but would he make it? Yeah. All right, we've had a good reminiscing period. We've kind of given you a nice view into Levance's mind as a Laker fan, as a as, as someone who's gotten to experience his team give him happiness this year. Yeah. So 
coming into this season, post-championship, they made a lot of good moves. Schroeder, awesome. Marcus Gasol as your eighth, ninth guy off the bench, awesome. Then they go and get Trez. This, this team is better than the team they had last year. 100%. It, it, so what do you think is the biggest improvement? Uh, so obviously, talent-wise, like just these guys are better than the guys they had last year. But what aspects of what they do is going to help the Lakers more this year? And it's going off what I said about last team. They're young. They're younger. Yes. Not young, but they're younger. They have guys in the middle of their prime or just reaching their prime. Dennis Schroeder now, like, did great on the Hawks, had great stint with the Thunder. Now he's ready to uplift himself. You saw him talking before the season. I want to be the starting point guard. I'm tired of coming off the bench. Like, he's ready to excel and take that next step in his career. Trez is still in the prime of his career doing what he does off the bench and whatnot. Wesley Matthews, yeah, yeah he might not be a, a huge name, whatever, but he's younger. He can shoot threes. He can play defense. A great asset to have, especially after losing Avery Bradley. Not saying he's an Avery Bradley, but he's younger. <laughs> yeah. We got more time with him. And again, my main thing, thinking about the reality and the future, we have to have pieces to not only keep AD happy, but to keep our franchise as contenders. So even if Braun leaves, say whatever reason, he's like, yo, I want to chip this year. I got five. I've won it with three different teams. I'm done. I'm good. He's not. But say if he did, I'm still looking at the Lakers as at least the top three, if not the top team in the West. He's still got AD, Trez, got all these guys, Marcus Gasol, Wesley Matthews. Like they have a great set of guys, not only that fits the, the system a little better because now I, I feel like we have more consistent shooters or better shooters than we did last year, but we have pieces that we could keep around with AD and also use in the future to maybe package off to get somebody else, maybe get other picks so we can get younger guys to go around AD, whatever the case may be. We're good for now. And we're also good for two to three years, which of course is always, you always want to be good now, but of course for the future, man, do you think there are any pressing needs the Lakers have that they could look at when the buyout window comes or trade deadline wise? Are there any glaring needs, not specific player, but just like type of player, whether it's another shooter, a wing defender, an extra big man. Do you think there's anything out there that they need? I feel like, uh, especially with having a guy like LeBron on your team, you always want to have that space, give mm -hmm. him an AD, a lot of room to operate. So you could all, oh, you could never go wrong with another knockdown shooter. I know um, Trevor Ariza, uh, was talking a little bit about to get his contract bought out by the Thunder and whatnot. So we'll see what happens. I think that's a great piece. A veteran, knockdown three-point shooter, and he could play defense. Of course, you, you want those role guys because when it comes to the playoffs in the West, the teams you're going to be seeing got to go against Kawhi and PG, hopefully this year. <laughs> you know, you got to go against guys on the Nuggets. Nuggets are a deep, young team. Got to have other guys to deal with Luka and the Mavs. Even the, the Trailblazers, man. I mean, there's so many teams in the West. You need to have that 3 and D guy. But I also wouldn't mind another playmaker. Now, Dennis Schroeder might be that dude, but I feel that what made us so successful, especially in the playoff run last season, was Rondo. When Braun is not on the floor, you need that other guy to initiate the offense, get things going, to be able to be that scorer. So hopefully Dennis Schroeder, and he's been proving it so far. It's only three games, but Hopefully he could keep this standard and be that playmaker. So even when Braun is taking his breather and it's Schroeder and uh, AD on the floor, maybe just Schroeder and Trez or whatnot, they could still get theirs. They could still get the offense flowing, still get things going. So when LeBron does come back, 
you don't got to overexert himself. He could just play his game. And when he plays his game, as we know, a lot of great things happens, not only for him, but for the whole team. How do you feel about Vogel as a coach? I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to, you know, say anything wrong with him. First year coming in, he won the chip. Of course, he had a great team around him. But I, I think that with his pedigree and what he's done, having strong defensive teams, he had a strong defensive team when he was with the Pacers, and they were making those uh, battles with the Heat and whatnot. So he has that structure. And he also has the experience, too. I think that was one thing with Luke Walden that was kind of uh, a little wonky. I think a lot of people maybe didn't have that respect for him, didn't really trust his word because he was an assistant coach on a Warriors team that was already built. You don't really got to do much. You know what I mean? So now you have to, and, and it's kind of different. So you bring in a guy like Vogel who has the experience, has made these deep playoff runs, and of course focuses on what wins championships, defense. And you can see the level that the Lakers have hit defensively from before Vogel to now, last season, sound defensive team. That's why they were one of the reasons why they were able to win the championship. So to engrave that and to get that and have those guys, these guys who are scorers, guys who are maybe offensive minded to really focus on the defensive end, because at the end of the day, that's what it's going to come down to in the playoffs, man. You're going to play a guy who can make that shot or take that shot. How are you going to stop him? When D Lillard got the ball with four seconds left, who's stopping him? Like you have to be able to have that. You don't even want to be in that position. So let's have a great defense to, you know, mill and void that before it happens. Yeah. I, I feel like we, like you had said earlier, that there's the regular season basketball and the postseason basketball. And you, you can tell the difference, especially on defense. That's the one area where you can tell who's actually trying and who isn't during the course of the regular season. Because a lot of those guys who've been around, who know th- their body, that they need that extra energy come the playoff time, you, you see the guys taking the plays off. And that, that's just part of how the NBA is now. It's one of those things where as these guys get older, they're more concerned about their bodies. They want to take better care of themselves. They got to lighten up the minutes. They get extra days off, that kind of thing. It's just the game is changing, as you had said really well when we first started this conversation. The game has changed. How do you maintain that same standard for when it's crunch time in May and June? Because that's for a team like the Lakers, that's what it's about. It's about May and June. It's not about the random back-to-back in February in Atlanta and then New Orleans. It's not about exactly. that. And, and that's why I love these moves, too, that they made this season. Because talking about Braun, if he were to need a night or two to sit and just recuperate, they have players and personnel to still get the job done. If you take Braun out of that team last year, not saying they wouldn't, but it'll be a way more difficult time to get those dubs and wins when it's you don't have other players to not only create, but to actually execute and score and whatnot. Now you have these guys. All right, bronze line in the lineup. All right, we put Wesley in. It looks like we're running it through AD. We got Dennis doing his thing. Montrez might get a couple more minutes, whatever the case may be. Like You can now rest these guys and get them to stay at 100% for the playoffs because you have the other role players. It's Every piece works on the team, man. People only look at the starting lineup with the first six, seven guys. It's the whole whole thing. It's a holistic product because one thing falls off. The Lakers, in my standpoint, there's no excuses. One, one domino falls, we got another one to replace it. There's always something ongoing. So that's why I love it. There's, there's no letdown. There's no excuses. Even if you saw last night, 8-8 didn't play, it's still one by 40. Granted, Timberwolves are the Timberwolves up and coming, but 
still handle business. I feel like that would have been a perfect trap game last season. No AD, only Braun. Rondo probably be injured or not playing or whatnot. Like when, when Braun's on the bench, who's scoring for us? Kuzma hasn't proved that yet. Alf Caruso has spurts. Like who else can you really depend on to get you going? Yeah. All right. It's time to have a little bit of fun and open up this conversation more league-wise than just Lakers-centric. Who are some of the guys you like to watch around the league, other teams that are interesting? I know earlier before the season had started, you had said, am I stupid for thinking the Hawks could make the playoffs? What do you like about the Hawks? Man, first off, you talk about certified assassins, Trey Young. (laughs) Trey Young is an assassin. With 39 points in his first game, missing three total shots, 10 of 13 from the field. That's scary, man. So you have him developing now. It's going to be his third year. Love to see the step that he takes. Great young core around them, too. Cam Reddish could come up. My son, Kevin Herter from Albany, shout out. Like, you know, he's on the come up, too. They have athletic guys. But then the people they added, too, they got Quint Capella now. Nice big, you know, athletic, could get boards, blocks, and, of course, there for the pick and roll with Trey Young. You got now Bogdan they just brought in. They got playoff Rondo, so we'll see him later on in the season. But even still, like, you have the pieces. Danilo Gallinari's on the team now. So you have the young talent, but now you also have those good vets who could still not only teach these guys, but have their own input on things too. So I think it's going to be a drastic change. And also, they have no pressure. Nobody's thinking about them. Nobody's worried about them. They could just go and play and develop freely and have fun with it. When you see these teams having fun with it and developing freely, man, it's beautiful to watch. I think the Hornets are another team I like to watch too. I mean, the ball brother fancies, nice. Bridges is an athlete. Terry Rogier's dropping buckets. That's another guy who's fallen off the radar, in my opinion, since he's left Boston. Like, so many small pieces. John Morant's another guy. That dude is crazy. I think that might be, after AD, my next favorite player because at a guard, so explosive, can shoot in your eyes, just beautiful to watch man so I think overall the NBA is in great hands because there's so much great young teams great young talent I really love Luca I'm really scared of that team man the Dallas Mavericks and another couple years are going to be filthy and same thing with Denver yeah Denver they're just loaded fun team to watch I hate them of course because they're in the in the west they're going to challenge but like still fun to watch they got the best big the joker Murray has shown, and he, he got my respect after that whole playoff series against the Lakers. Like, these guys are different. So the league is so, so fun to watch, and I'm excited to see the development of it all. There's a lot of exciting teams. I mean, yes, I do think the Lakers are obviously the best team thus far. The Nets have looked good in the few games they've played. I mean, they did lose yesterday. I don't think people are – and again – I got my loyalty to Kobe and whatnot, but I don't think people have enough respect for Kevin Durant. I agree completely. Kyrie's Kyrie. I'm not even going to talk about Kyrie. Like, we know what he can do, but Kevin Durant is a certified problem. He's the best player, arguably the best player in the league when healthy. Like, I've never seen somebody at seven foot be able to dribble the way that he does, shoot the way that he does, get to the rim. And not only that, like I mentioned with Giannis, he has that post-up game. Kevin Durant will just get to his spot mid-range, little one-legged fadeaway, boom, like you can't stop it. He's coming up off the fast break 35 feet. You can't stop it. He's unguardable, unguardable. Unguardable. So if he hits his stride and they have a nice team over there, then that's been making the playoffs without anybody. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Sadly, Spencer, you know, partially torn his ACL, but hey, Karis LeVert about to turn up now because he has been. And, you know, they got so many great pieces. I'm really scared of them in the East. If there's anybody, I'm not, the Clippers are the Clippers. I don't think they have that dude to really like get it done when it comes to it. People might argue, oh, Kawhi, Kawhi, this, Kawhi, that. Last thing I remember for Kawhi is choking in game seven after being up 3-1. So he has a lot more to prove to me. But, like, Kevin Durant's one. Kyrie is one. They're those guys who's been there and done that. They're going to spread that knowledge to this young, talented team. They are a problem. Put respect to Kevin Durant's name. I hate snakes. I hate him. I do. But, again, reality speaking, like, realistically speaking, I should say, basketball standpoint, it's true. He is a problem, and he's back, so you got to wake up. And he got a whole second act where he could be a small ball five if he really wanted to. Once he loses his explosiveness and he can't, he's not as fast, he'd be a small ball five for another two, three years. Bro, with his I, I, could, I could see him mirroring his game a little more to Dirk. Yeah. Would not be surprised. He has the height. He has the, the, the shooting ability, too. Why not? Bro, you don't have to do much. Sit on the post. Let's feed you. And you're either going to get double teamed or you're going to score because you're fading away every time. Nobody's blocking your shot. So, yeah, that's who Giannis has to model his game after. He's got to get the old man Dirk game where it's just the herky jerky all in the hips. Dirk crazy. I was talking to a good friend of mine about that the other day. I was like someone like Giannis who has the access to any star legend, whatever to work with. Why aren't you calling Dirk, bro? <laughs> Go over to Germany over the summer and just work. I promise you, you'll come back next season at least a mid-range specialist, at least. Yeah, because we saw that Dirk had a million post moves, a million different post moves, where it was all in his hips and his elbows, where you just didn't know what was coming, and he would always back dudes down, and that ridiculously high arc where it was just unblockable. If you can add aspects to that game and keep evolving the way Dirk did, where he managed to stay good a lot longer than he probably should have been, considering how slow he was, he was able to make it work. I mean, I'm going to circle back to the Mavericks because I do want to touch on something you had said about Luka before. But if Giannis can just get that one extra wrinkle, one extra wrinkle, because best in the I, game, best in the game, easily. unstoppable. Basketball Twitter have been having their fun with him since the playoffs last year, saying he only got one post move because he really does only have one post move. It's true. And then I look at it like this, too. How you get paid 225 mil in your first game, you missed a game time free throw to go to overtime. That's just me, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, th- those are the things that separate the legends from just the great players. Like, yeah. Fine details. I promise you, Kobe ain't missing that for you, though. <laughs> I promise you. Yeah. Met, circling back to Luca, you had said you are concerned about the way he plays because he just makes everyone better. He's an elite facilitator already this early in his career. He's got the really good step back. They just got to get that man some help. That team, I mean, I still think Porzingis can be good, but he is just never healthy enough to play. Never healthy. But never when he healthy. is, he's averaging 30. Yeah. It's like, so it's going to depend on KP, of course. Yeah. But I still feel even some of their side pieces, like Tim Hardaway Jr., he's, not bad. he's on the Mavs, you know what I mean? Jalen Brunson's a very low-key guy nobody talks about. So it's like different things like that. If they put that team together and maybe add here or there, they're a problem. I got the Nuggets over them for the future, but Luka is that player where 
you can't count his team out because yeah. he's that good. You saw what he did by himself against the Clippers last year on one ankle. On one leg, he was doing that to the Clippers. He dragged them. what they did to him last night. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like you, 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 could never, you could never count that dude out. And that's why I have respect for him because I think he's the closest thing we've actually seen to LeBron. Somebody who has the build, 6'7", six, 6'8", six, can facilitate for anybody, make everybody around him better. But he has a killer instinct. Yeah. He is going to take and make certain shots that people won't even dare to. So it's like that that's a problem growing. That's a problem brewing. And each year and each failure, if he's the player I believe he is, it's just going to get crazier and crazier. It's going to hit that point where it's like I'm not losing. Like it's not an option. I'm not losing anymore. And once that happens, Curtains. oh, man. It's curtains. No. I'm going to need to have a nice bottle of wine when I see the Lakers play down because I'm going to be sick. <laughs> okay, so two-part question. First, what is the finals matchup you would most like to see this year? I demand to see a Kevin Durant-LeBron James finals. I yep. mean, the storylines there, Kyrie going against LeBron, KD and LeBron fighting for the best in the NBA. Like, it's it just – it would be a match made in heaven. So, of course, that – is what you want. But I still feel, although the Nets are the favorite, the East is a little more up in the air than you think. Nobody's talking about the Sixers. Granted, they do have their troubles and stuff, but Doc Rivers is Doc Rivers. He's a quality coach. He's going to at least get them to contending in the playoffs. Um, you know, Joel Embiid healthy is a problem. I don't know about Ben Simmons, but I hopefully feel that Doc can do something to at least make him more of a, a an issue offensively. And they got some pieces around. Tobias Harris is not bad. You said Seth Curry before. Not bad. They have some people around. So that's a team you can't sleep on. People think that the Heats are frauds, which I, I highly doubt. Granted, yeah, last season was last season. But Jimmy Butler is Jimmy Butler. That's a workhorse who is going to be guarding you 48 minutes and not give up. They got two knockdown shooters. I saw Duncan Robinson have a night on Christmas Day. Uh, Tyler Hero hasn't really found that stride yet, but when he does, he's a problem. They did add a couple pieces. They took my man Avery Bradley. I still think that's a great piece to have off the bench, 3 and D guy. Like, you, you can't forget about them. Hopefully Giannis wakes up and this team wakes up with the Bucks. They could kind of challenge if they choose to. So it's so many things up in the air. But back to your question, I think, I think it will be the Nets and the Lakers, man. I, I would love to see that. I want KD – and LeBron to duke it out. Who's the best in the league? You had your off year with your injury, Bron. You had your off year with your injury, KD. You're both healthy. We're in the finals. Let's see what's good. And let's see if Kyrie can actually, you know, do what he said. He wanted to leave LeBron. He wanted to do it himself. All right, let's see you do it, bro. Put your money where your mouth is. How worried would you be about that finals? Would you be Very. stressed? <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. But 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 I, I've thought about this, too. It's like, matchup-wise, how are we going to do this? All right. Are we going to put AD on Kevin Durant? Because AD could possibly guard somebody like Kevin Durant, but Kevin Durant is an assassin. So how would that work? You would really get to see everybody talk about AD this year, him taking his game up to another level because he's a champion now. I think that would be the moment to prove, like, well, it's not just you and Braun. I'm here too. Not only am I going to score on you offensively, but I'm going to check you defensively. And then the other thing for me is, too, like Kyrie. Kyrie is a magician. Who can we have to guard? Are we going to put Weston Matthews there? 
Or are we going to maybe put, you know, Braun there? I don't know if Dennis Schroeder is like a, a defensive marksman like that. But I think the matchups there would be beautiful, but it, it's still scary. When you're talking about the names of these players and even the rest of their team, Karis LeVert coming off the bench, you know, who on our bench could really check him like that? Who, who in, in the league can really check him like that the way that he's been playing? Again, it's early, but he's showing a lot of positive signs. They got their two bigs, DeAndre Jordan, uh, the, the dude Allen, athletic guys, rebounders, presence in the middle. So, you know, Braun and these guys aren't going to be driving as much. Like those different things. I wonder how the matchups will be. So that's why I'm like, I would love to see it as a fan, but as a Laker fan, that would make me sweat. <laughs> that's going to make me sweat. How content are you with your chip that you got in the bubble? Are you satisfied? You still like, nah, I'm going to need some more LeBron. Uh, you got another one of those for me? It's a bad stigma <laughs> that us Lakers fans have. We want more, man. But it's it's known. It's given. And again, Kobe's mentioned it too. When you play for this organization, it's not just about playing for them. It's not just about the name. You have a job. And your number one job is, especially if you're in that upper echelon tier like LeBron, like AD, like the other greats that we've had, you have to deliver. And even with all those greats too, they didn't just deliver one championship. They got at least two, at least a couple to solidify and say, yo, that wasn't a fluke. We're here. So I'm always going to want more. And I honestly feel like we deserve more as our franchise with a history that we have, the rich one, we got to keep it going. And we only look to get those players who want that. Braun came here because he wanted that. AD came here because he wanted that. Let's keep going. Of course, again, reality, you're not going to win everything. You're not going to win four or five in a row. But you give me two out of three years, three out of five years, something like that, that's a championship franchise. And that's, that's what expectations are. So I have nothing less. We need another one. That beautifully transitions to the two questions I wrote down while I was doing research this morning because I wanted to do a little more Lakers-centric things towards the end here. Okay, question one. I'm giving you a time machine. You can go see any Lakers team ever play. You want to go see Wilt and Jerry. You want to go see Showtime. You want to see early Kobe Shaq. Who are you going to either the Forum or Staples to see? Yeah, man. It's, it's hard. It's really hard because, again, me being biased, I want to see young Kobe and Shaq play. Are you kidding me? Like, over quarantine, I found myself watching the early finals. Seeing this dog, Kobe was a dog at, like, 22, 23 years old. He's dropping the ball on your neck, dunking it on you, and he's guarding you 94 feet of the court, and you're not scoring on him. So, like, to see that, it's like, wow, man. And then Shaq, of course, most unstoppable big ever. That would be lovely to see him dunking on all five people at one time on a rebound. But how can you go up against the Showtime Lakers? Like that period of basketball was different. I think just from a history perspective, I would love to experience that because from what I've seen and researched and, and watched myself, that whole Lakers forum, that whole 80s decade of Laker basketball was completely different. You saw flashy passes. You saw the dunks. You saw the oohs and ahs. You saw in the stands all the celebrities there. It's like that atmosphere is just like, wow, I get to see Jack Nicholas. I get to see all these stars, plus see amazing basketball. And, of course, you have Magic Johnson. I mean, 
Google smile in your face, but give that no look pass. Like that, that's what has me so happy about basketball. Cause those things it's like, bro, that's beautiful. That that's the beauty of the game. No, nice. No look pass on a fast break to a dunk. Like basketball can't be any better than that, man. So I'll choose, I'll choose that eighties Lakers team. I'm going back to the forum. Going, going to see a little showtime. Little Pat Riley with the uh, – still when Pat Riley had black slick back hair as the coach of the Lakers. Good. Precious oh, coach. Yeah. Lakers have had some great coaches in their history. That helps. Having the right coach helps a lot. It really does. And I've realized this too, Big Z. All the franchises it, – it's honestly in life. If you look at everything, it starts from the top. Even yep. if you, you, know, be, you want to be simple with your family life and whatnot, it starts with the top, man. How you're raised, how your parents bring you up, the lifestyle that they give you is going to trickle everything down to the type of person you are, what you do and how you go about life. It's the same thing with sports teams. It starts from the top and they've always had a solid owner, RP the bus, Mr. Bus, you know, even his daughter is picking it up and doing what she needs to do. They've always been established at the top and it just trickles down to the coaches and then of course the executives, the scouts and whatnot, and then it falls onto the team and that's why. In the history from Minneapolis, we've always been able to get those stars. We got Will, we got uh, Kareem, then we end up getting Shaq and Kobe. Now we got Powell, then we got AD, LeBron. Like it just always happens, and it because starts from the top, man. Starts from the top. So they're they're lucky. If the Knicks had something like that, I bet you they'll be in this position right now. This is a difficult question. Give me your. Give me your Lakers, Mount Rushmore, your four guys. I wrote down three, four, five, six, seven guys you could realistically argue for four spots. So let me hear them. I'm curious. These are the seven I have written down. I have Magic, Kareem, Will, Kobe, Jerry West, Shaq, and Elgin Baylor. Those are the seven I have written down for four spots. So 100%. Pick your four. There's no wrong answer. I know. So, but, but it, it's hard. The yeah. reason why I'm going to say it's hard because all those players were impactful to Lakers organization themselves yeah. and all did something that helped change the scope of basketball. And my preference, of course, I have to go with magic first. Magic has to be on there because magic Johnson is the Lakers in my standpoint. If, if I feel like if you took a poll and asked anybody, Who's the first person that comes to mind after Kobe? It'll be Magic. So Magic has to be up there. I think Kobe's the greatest Laker of all time. Matches Magic's five championships and just how he was able to bring the Lakers from where they were in the 90s, just a you know, regular basketball team. They were good, but you know, Magic left, those, those guys left. And he, of course, with the help of Phil Jackson, Shaq, and the rest of those guys, was able to get the Lakers back from just being a good team to the Lakers so all of that and of course all that he did staying there all 20 years doing all that he did for the Lakers you have to put him on there now these final two are difficult because I was thinking all right you got to put Jerry West up there because he's the logo he's the man and that was somebody I think and I will put him on there because he lost so many times with them so many times but he kept coming back was always in the final. Sadly, the Celtics were there, but at the end of the day, always coming back, and eventually when Wilt got there, they were able to win it. The only reason why I don't think I would put Wilt is because I feel like he was there, yes, 
but he wasn't there too long. We got him toward the end of his career. Yes, he won championships for us, and he was a huge part of it all, but I don't know if I can give him that last spot. So in my opinion, I think I would have to take Kareem over Shaq, only because one, Shaq did leave. <laughs> he did leave. And, and two, yes, we did get Kareem later in his career, but I still feel he was in his prime. And of course, he was a part of all those championships with Magic. It was a very, very pitiful part of, that, of them and their success. And I think that's actually what catapulted them from just being, again, a regular team, good team, to a championship Laker team. And that's why I'm going to have to give him the spot. So Kobe, Magic, got to give it to Jerry West for being a, a dog and, and staying in it even with the L's, and then I got to give it to Kareem because him and Magic were able to really get the Showtime Lakers, man. Like, they were able to be those pillars for those teams. So that's how I break it down. This is the last question I have for you. This is a fun question. So, oh, man, I was having fun. Sheesh. <laughs> we already did an hour. We already did, like, an hour and ten minutes. Yeah. It, it, it goes fast when you're just talking, man. Talking ball is easy. It goes so Love fast. It. Love it, it makes it fun. All right. We're going to hoop at Peck's Pond, you, me, and we get to bring anyone else with us from this Rolodex of basketball history. Who's the third person we're bringing with us to crack some heads? I'm a bum at basketball. It's you, me, and this third person. Are we bringing Kobe and we and we just letting Kobe do old man post moves? It is anybody in history, bro? Anybody you want to bring. We yeah, just take a- We take Shaq? Take Shaq down there? <laughs> I mean, we could, but like, I, I can't dribble like that. We need somebody to facilitate the offense. <laughs> we need somebody to control the ball handling. So, bro, yeah, it, it's either going to be Kobe or MJ. Because mm-hmm. I also know, too, when I'm tired, I'm like, y'all don't feel like playing no more. They're going to be like, give me the ball. Get out the way. And they're going to finish it for us. So, it's a toss-up between them. I'll literally flip a coin once we pull up the Pex Pond. Like, am I going to call Kobe or, or, or am I call Jordan? Like, let me flip a coin. Whatever it lands on heads, we got. So, I, I can't argue with you. I mean, my first answer was going to be Durant just because, like, you know, no one's guarding him. He could just stand in the corner and just pull up corner threes every single first time. First thought now. that was in my head, bro. First thought. But I was like, <laughs> nah, if it's anybody in history, nah, I got I to go, go with the two goats or one of them at least. He's going to get us to 21 in seven shots. It's going to be easy. That's true, too, though. That's true, too. <laughs> we just pull it up. Bang. Bang. Yeah. All right, bro. Durant's not fair, man. That man's just not fair. No one can guard him. No one can. It's just not fair. It's going to be fun watching him again. I'm so happy he's back. Um, it's You never want to see anyone go down, anyone get hurt, especially in, like the way he got hurt in the finals. What was that, two years ago now? You never want to see anything like that. It's it's better for the sport when its best players are healthy and playing. It, it, exactly. just, it just is. It always and and that's why that, – that's the one positive I'll take away from this whole pandemic because, you know, sadly for Clay Thompson, but like – yeah. He had time, you know, to actually recover and feel 100%. KD had extra time. Kyrie had extra time. All these guys, John Wall, the Marcus Cousins, like, all had the time that they needed. They weren't rushed. They weren't forced. They could rehab, and then they could get back into basketball shape because rehab is a whole different thing mentally, too. So yeah. to have that time to mentally be prepared and then get yourself physically back, bro. Kevin Durant about to light it up. They're all going to light it up. I feel bad John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins got the vid right now. But yeah. when they come back, they're going to they gonna light it up at least. 
This was so much fun. I love talking about basketball. This, this is the best. I, anytime I'm here, I'd love to be back. Oh, we're we're gonna have you back probably like two, three weeks. We're gonna have Levant's gonna fix Manchester United. It, it, oh. it, it's gonna be tough. I don't think he's Sir Alex Ferguson, but I think he's probably better than Ole as a manager. I got I got some good good attacking formations and certain <laughs> players. I think need to play. You're gonna hear a lot about Danny Vanderbeek when I come back. Don't you worry. I cannot wait. This was so much fun. I will be back with a episode for probably come out Thursday talking about the college football playoff games this weekend because as anyone who listens to this podcast knows, I watch, you know, 15 to 16 hours of college football every single week, so I know what I'm talking about. Do game previews for Alabama, Notre Dame, and Clemson, Ohio State. And then next week, hockey's less than a week away next week, so going to be heavy on the hockey Got a Bruins episode lined up, Islanders episode lined up, Sharks episode, working on a Flames episode. I'll be doing a Rangers episode. I'll see if I get a guest for that or not. But content's ramping up as hockey comes back because let's be frank here, I know the most about hockey of the four sports I watch. Um, Yeah, I'll see you guys. I'll say Thursday, yeah. I'll see you guys Thursday. How much more do you want from me? More. How much more successful do you want me to be? More successful. How many records can my records break? More records. But, but I'm the best. But are you a different animal and the same beast? What the f- does that mean, Kobe Bryant? You're welcome. What the f- is he talking about? <laughs>